Good morning. We are glad that you're here today. It's a beautiful day, cold day, but very beautiful outside. It's hard to believe that it's as cold as it is. It feels more like January than March, but hopefully and prayerfully it will pass soon. If you're visiting with us, thank you for coming our way. We always appreciate so much your willingness to come to be a part of our worship. We hope and pray that what is said will help you in your Christian life, in your journey here upon planet Earth. We're looking today at Proverbs chapter 23, and specifically we want to look at verse 23, a passage that was penned by Solomon, a man renowned for his wisdom. And Solomon wrote many, many years ago, buy the truth and do not sell it. Have you ever thought about the premium that God places upon His truth. The Holy Spirit, of course, has revealed to us the will of God, the Word of God, His great redemptive plan. Inherent in that plan is the fact that God loves each and every one of us as His creation. We wouldn't know anything about the love of God, His mercy and grace, and all the things that He has in store for us if it were not for His Word. And so, as Solomon said, we would do well to buy the truth and not to sell it. So our study today really accentuates the question, are you buying or selling? I want to begin by, first of all, talking about the fact that wise people buy the truth. Now, you know that in the book of Proverbs, wisdom is certainly amplified time and again. And Solomon accentuates the importance of wisdom in life. Wisdom is knowing how to use the knowledge that we possess. There are a lot of people that have knowledge. They possess a lot of facts or information. So the problem is not necessarily with the information, the knowledge that we have. Sometimes the problem is we just don't know how to apply it. And so what Solomon is telling us is that there is a lot of wisdom in placing truth at a premium in life. So what about the wisdom of buying the truth? I think it's reflected in, in a number of ways. Number one, when we talk about the wisdom of buying the truth, to understand that truth ultimately is what saves, isn't it? You and I cannot be saved separate and apart from divine truth. The faith that we have, now I understand that we can develop faith as a result of looking at the world and coming to an understanding that there's a Creator. I don't have to have the Bible to tell me that somebody designed this world. When you look at the anatomy of the human body and you think about how complex the body is, that's evidence that there's a Creator. You remember David said in Psalm 139 that we have been fearfully and wonderfully made, but I can't know the mind of God apart from His Word. And so Paul would say, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Now when Paul wrote to the saints in Rome, 
You remember he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. To understand that the Word of God is living and active, and as the Hebrew writer would say, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. God's Word has the ability to point us in the direction of salvation. So when we talk about wise people, buying the truth to understand that truth is imperative if we're going to be saved. Do you remember, for example, what Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 4? That God would have all men to be saved, and listen to him, and come to the knowledge of the truth. Jesus would say, you shall know the truth, the truth shall make you free. Well, free from what? From a life of sin. The Lord said, if the Son makes you free, you're free indeed. So number one, to understand that truth saves. But not only does it save, it sanctifies. Pontius Pilate asked the question many years ago, what is truth? Jesus defined it in John 17, 17. When he said, sanctify them in truth, your word is truth. When the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, he identified them as members of the church of God. But he said they had been sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. The word sanctify means to be set apart. And so what what the Bible teaches is that when we obey the gospel, when when we respond favorably to the truth of Almighty God, we enjoy sanctification. In other words, we're set apart from the world under God because we belong to Him. Do you remember in Colossians chapter 1, Paul would say that those of us who have obeyed the gospel, we are partakers of His divine inheritance. Matter of fact, that inheritance of the saints in light. He said, we've been delivered out of the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of God's dear Son. It's in that sphere that he would say that we enjoy redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. So the truth of Almighty God, it saves us, it sanctifies us, and thirdly, it strengthens us. One of the realities of living in this world is it is a world filled with pain and sorrow, trouble and trial. And there are a lot of people in our world today that are hurting and they're facing just an endless array of troubles in this life and some have no answer for those troubles. The beauty of living a life of faith is that it can equip us so that we might have the ability to overcome the trials and the troubles of life. Peter would tell us to desire the sincere milk of the Word that we might grow thereby. And Peter would go on to say that we are to grow in grace and knowledge. When troubles and trials come, if we have not armed our life with faith, if we're not the kind of people that have deep trust in Almighty God, our faith will crumble, won't it? Isn't it the case that there have been any number of people that have become bitter toward God because of the things that have unfolded in life? The circumstances that have 
dovetailed in life and they found themselves in a, mire, in, a, in a myriad of problems. But if we have the kind of faith that will sustain us, we sang a moment ago about trusting God. David talked about his tremendous trust in Almighty God. When the Apostle Paul battled that thorn in the flesh, Paul said he besought the Lord three times that it would depart from him. And God said, my grace is sufficient for you. And so to know that we can be strengthened by the grace of Almighty God. But then there's another thought. And really I think that it ties in with the previous point. God's Word has the ability to provide solace, comfort. It can soothe an aching heart, can it? When I think back over some of the countless numbers of funerals that I've conducted through the years, oftentimes family members want words of comfort, encouragement. And I know that there have been a lot of books that have been penned, poetry, etc. And those things have the ability to provide a sense of comfort in times of trouble. But tell me what book has the ability to provide the comfort that the Word of God does. When I stand at the side of an open grave and I can turn to passages like 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, where Paul talks about those who are asleep in Jesus, and the fact that one day the Lord's going to descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. And as he said, the dead in Christ are going to rise. And those of us who are alive and remain, we're going to be caught up together with Him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And you remember what Paul said when he punctuated that statement of truth? Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. When we lose loved ones, people that we have loved and appreciated, spent time with, people that we have eaten with and vacationed with, people that are bone of our bones and flesh of our flesh. When we lose them in Christ, to know that this book right here provides us with hope, doesn't it? That it can soothe the aching heart. That it can comfort my life in times of trial, times of trouble, in times of great loss. And then there's a final thought. And that is that the truth of God can give security to my life. We all like security, don't we? I would imagine that all of us, when we got out of our automobile this morning, when you walked away from your car, what'd you do? You locked it, didn't you? When you left home this morning, what'd you do? You locked your home, didn't you? Why? Because you want to feel safe and secure. Did you know God's Word can give you security? I don't have to guess about my relationship to God. I don't have to question whether or not I'm going to be saved. I don't have to question whether or not I belong to God. Why? Because I can read about it right here in this book called the Bible. Wasn't it John who said that this is the record, this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life and He said that life is in His Son. He went on to say, he who has a son has life. He who has not the Son of God does not have life. 
In verse 13 of 1 John chapter 5, John said, These things I have written to you who believe on the name of the Son of God. Now listen to him. That you may know, K-N-O-W, that you may know that you have eternal life. So when I open this book and I start reading this page, these pages and I read about what I have done to become a child of God, and how my life is anchored in the Lord, and I'm doing all that I can to live my life in harmony with His will. Didn't John talk about that in 1 John 1? When he said, if we walk in the light, as He's in the light, we have fellowship with one another, the blood of His Son Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Didn't he write in chapter 2, hereby we know that we know Him, how? If we keep His commandments. And so I am safe and secure where? In Christ. When the Apostle Paul looked death in the face, can you imagine knowing that there is a Roman executioner that will take your head in the near future? Paul lived under that cloud. But I don't think Paul lived in fear. Matter of fact, I think the Apostle Paul lived a triumphant life, not just in the good times, but also in the bad times. And Paul would say, for to me to live is Christ, to die is gain, to depart and be with Christ. He said, that's far better. But when Paul wrote that final letter and talked about how his departure was imminent, he knew death was coming. You think he was worried about that? You think he wavered? Wondered about, okay, what's going to happen after death? No, Paul said, there is later for me a crown of righteousness. So in 2023, can I read those words and say, as Paul did, there's a crown laid up for me? Yes, I can. Can I have that same kind of security in Christ Jesus? Yes, absolutely. Now, there's a flip side to our study. First, we think about the importance of buying the truth. You need to buy it up. A lot of folks in our world today, they're trying to buy up real estate. Talk to Jared. A lot of people are interested in trying to accumulate a lot of land. There's nothing wrong with that. But we ought to try to the best of our ability to buy the truth, to buy it up. But what about selling the truth? What about selling out the truth of God? Sometimes, sadly, the truth is sold by people who, rather than demonstrating a life of wisdom, demonstrate what the Bible would call a life of foolishness, recklessness. Let me tell you how we can sell out. Number one, just fail to study this book. You know, the predominance of problems that we face in this country, the problems that we're facing in this nation are not because men and women are sitting down reading and studying and trying to live by this book. The problems are a result of not reading, studying, meditating on the truth of God. The problem is we have said we don't need the Word of God in our lives and we're paying a heavy price for it, aren't we? 
Remember Hosea said in chapter 4 in his book many years ago, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And because of that, he would say there is swearing, lying, killing, stealing, committing adultery. He said they break all restraint with bloodshed after bloodshed. Tell me that doesn't sound like modern day 21st century society. Yes, it does. We see it every day, don't we? We see it in the news. We see it on the internet. Why? Because people have abdicated this book. They failed to study this book. And yet the psalmist of old said that his life was saturated with the Word of God. Matter of fact, he would say he meditated on that law day and night. We want to try to get our nation back on track, then what we got to do is try to get the Word of God back into the fabric of our nation. There's a second thought. Sadly, sometimes foolish people who sell the truth, the problem is rather than looking at the Word of God and allowing it to serve as a critic in life, we fail to do some honest, serious, hard soul searching. You know, James compared this book to a mirror. The Bible would say in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, examine yourselves. Let me just share a verse with you back in Psalm 139 again. David on the long ago said, talking about God, he said, you have searched me and known me. The word search there means to bore a hole, to pierce. And really what David was saying is, God, you know me inside out. So my question to all of us today, how well do we know ourselves? How honest are we in appraising our own life? I want to ask you, are you the best husband that you can be in your home? Are you the kind of husband that God's pleased with? Are you the best wife that you can possibly be? Are you the kind of wife that God talks about in His book? What kind of employee are you? Are you honest? Hardworking? Reliable? Trustworthy? What kind of employee are you? What kind of employer are you? Are you fair? Honest? Are you patient? Are you the kind of business owner that God's pleased with? What kind of neighbor are you? You care about people around you? Do you love your neighbor as yourself? Are you compassionate and kind? Are you harsh, judgmental, stingy? When you step in front of the mirror of God's Word, what do you see? What do you see in yourself? More importantly, what does God see? Now here's, here's the thought. We will never deceive God when it comes to our character. But 
we can deceive ourselves and we can deceive other people. So my question is, when you stand in front of that mirror and look, what do you see? What's staring back at you? You pleased with how you're living? Are you happy with your life? Do you say, you know what, I'm trying to live the best life I can. Do you know why some people are so miserable in our world today? It's because they're not happy with how they're living. They're not happy with life. They're not happy with how they're living day to day. You know what you need to do? If that's the case, make some changes. You've got to live with yourself every single day. Sometimes it's good to do some honest soul searching. To get down to the nitty gritty and to say, okay, this is what I'm made of. This is who I am. And here's the question. Do you like what you see? Are you happy? More importantly, is God happy with you as a person? There's another thought here very quickly. People who sell out the truth, they're not submissive to the Word of God. Look, the intent of Scripture, the intent of Scripture is to change how I live. I've got to make necessary changes in my life to fit what the Bible teaches. I don't change the Bible to fit my lifestyle. Does that make sense? So what I'm trying to do is let the Word of Christ dwell in me richly. Now you remember Jesus asked this question on one occasion. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? People that sell out the truth, they don't submit to the Lord. Now, we can talk about the Lord being the Lord of our life all day long, but unless we are submitting our lives to Him, it's just talk. That's all it is. Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father which is in heaven. And then, people that sell out the truth won't stand for truth. Christianity, by and large, is under attack in this country. Would you agree with that? What the Bible teaches is under attack in this nation. Would you agree with that? So if that's the case, in a hostile world, in a world where people do not appreciate the truth of Almighty God, are we going to make compromises? concessions when it comes to truth? Or are we willing to stand four square on the Word of God? People might not like it. They might say bad things about us. They might do bad things to us. But are we willing to stand under pressure? Remember Paul said, in Ephesians chapter 6, that we're to be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. We're to put on the whole armor of God that we might be able to stand against the wiles, the schemes, the methodology of the devil. 
Well, how do we stand? Paul said, you take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Those ancient warriors had a sword. That sword was offensive and defensive. So we've got to stand for God and His Word in a world that has become polluted by sin. Then there's a final thought. Those who sell out the truth, sadly, won't share it with others. The marching orders of Jesus before ascending to heaven, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. I want to ask you a question. How blessed have you been as a Christian? How blessed has your family been as a child of God? Do you remember in Mark chapter 5, Jesus cast demons out of a man who identified himself as legion. This man wanted to be with the Lord, wanted to stay with the Lord, no doubt because of what he had done for him, the compassion, the kindness, and the love that he had shown him. And Jesus said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go back and tell your friends and family members what great things the Lord has done for you. And you think about how blessed you are you keep that message to yourself? You ever tell anybody about the Lord? You ever point people in the direction of Christ? You ever invite somebody to worship? Do you ever invite somebody to Bible study? Try to give them some literature to help them? It's only when you understand the power of God's Word, the truth. We're to buy it, not sell it. If we're buying up truth, we're sharing it with as many people as we can. So in closing today, are you buying or selling? Doing one or the other. If you're here today and you're not a child of God, I want to encourage you to come to Christ. To believe that Jesus is exactly who He claimed to be. That's the Son of God. And then to repent of all your sins. That's what they were instructed to do on Pentecost Day. To confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart that Jesus is is who He claimed to be, the Son of God. Then to be immersed in water so that all your sins can be washed away as a result of the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus. And then to just be faithful till death. To live as God would have you to live so that one day you can live with Him and His people forevermore. Could we pray with you today? Maybe you're battling some tough things in this life. Might be that your heart is broken. Might be that you want to try to somehow get your life back on track and live for the Lord. We would be more than happy to pray with you and for you today. We stand and sing.